I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talk to the Audience where this is always death. I am one of your hosts, Bob Mackey, fighting plagiarism every day of my life, who is here with me today as always. Uh, hey, it's Henry Gilbert. Still sad that there were no DVD or game or movie announcements this week. I'm also sad about a few yeah. of those things. But yes, welcome to our community podcast. If you're listening on the Patreon, this hits at the end of the month. If you're on the free feed, this hits at the beginning of the month. What we do on this podcast is talk about Simpsons news and also what's happening in our neck of the woods. And also we respond to questions and comments left on our Patreon. And this has been uh, a fairly uneventful month. Uh, there's been, we did a bit of traveling in June and May, but mm-hmm. I think July, all of July, was just us podcasting. Yeah, Nothing I, exciting happened. I didn't get COVID again this month. No so double COVID. Good. No, I mean I did. I did have a slight little cough that has mostly gone away now. But uh, I, I'm feeling good, folks. I'm feeling all right. Yeah, it's been a month of recovery <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and healing. Yeah. Well, and, and soon next month uh, I'll be doing all the things i this was just a lot of uh, a lot of podcast recording this month so like next week i'm getting a haircut next right. week i'm gonna uh, go see a, a show uh, well actually we did a bit of that this yes month we'll too. talk yes. about it but yeah. yeah the traveling will be happening next month possibly pax we have nothing to announce yet nope but nah. uh fingers crossed on that <laughs> uh, tell pax to get on emailing people now it's a month away the yeah. dang show is man so uh let's talk about simpsons news mm-hmm. so emmy nominations happened and uh, when Billy Met Lisa, the Simpsons short got an Emmy nomination for wow. uh, Best Short. And I will say it's uh, it's a good looking short. It's also a commercial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I say not deserved. That's my opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean. I'm trying to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, it's kind of lackluster. I mean, it's fine for what it is, but I don't think it deserves an Emmy. What if it's better than all the other shorts who were, that were commercials? What about uh, that? <laughs> it might be the only sh- short that is a commercial that was mm-hmm. uh, nominated. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's. Uh, I mean, I know David Silverman directed it. He's great. but We it's... love him. Yeah, we have to say that every time yeah. just to be clear. But yeah, I. I wouldn't have thought, uh, I mean, I guess how many short subjects are there on TV or, uh, well, now yeah. that it's streaming, I guess there's many short subjects all around, but, eh, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, I would bet it won't win. I, uh, then again, what if, what if Simpson steamrolls the competition? Like they do every, like, you know, three out of one out of every three Emmys. It seems like, yeah. I, uh, so they've, they've got plenty of Emmys. I, yes, I, they're yeah. not hurting for Emmy. So I don't think I'm being mean by saying this doesn't deserve an Emmy. No, I, uh, even though, uh, while well, I'm looking for that pixelated and afraid, yeah. uh, one that I'd say that that's a better episode of the Simpsons than Billy met Lisa is as a short of the Simpsons though. I'd still say that like, I didn't see what else it was up against, but in the animated category, I, I would bet there's some better stuff. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what's happening in Emmy News. Uh, mm-hmm. Billy Met Lisa and Pixelated and Afraid. Also out of Comic-Con, there was some news about new episodes that mm-hmm. I, I found particularly interesting. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yes, there are going to be two Treehouse of Horror episodes this year, possibly correcting the flaw that the number of the Treehouse is always one number behind the season. Yeah. So I think uh, um, that's not the reason they're doing it, but it's interesting that maybe that will correct that uh, perceived flaw with I numbering. Wonder, I wonder if the, uh, the the one that is a full episode parody will just be presented as a full episode or it's called Treehouse of Horror Special, the subject instead of calling it, you know, 34. Because yes, this is yeah. Treehouse 33 that they announced 
but then also there will be a second one as well they better they better give it a number <laughs> uh so yeah there will be a full-length Triassic of four episode based on it yes crusty is it yes they, they joked that they had saw a number of people who get tattoos of crusty as pennywise the clown from it and so now they are doing a full parody mm. you know this i i think selman was coming out swinging in his uh in his promotion of this i saw yeah <laughs> he's like we're doing tons of stuff we're not going to just be sitting on our laurels like we i think he's feeling refreshed he's feeling powerful uh and just him uh, but i think with a hit parody it lets him have two both sides of things they get to do what al Jean does which is parody something that's like four decades old <laughs> yeah but also something that's kind of recent because yeah. it just had the recent uh duo of films that's right mm -hmm. uh so that's what's happening with the full-length episode they're also doing a traditional episode mm -hmm. one of the parodies they're doing is of the anime death notes yes which is interesting because mm -hmm. uh, you know they released a promotional image and i was like this looks familiar where have i seen this before <laughs> but uh better oh right my wife uh drew the bongo comic the award-winning comic <laughs> Eisner, Eisner winning yes. winning comic yeah. in 2008 with writer Ian Boothby. I mean, uh, they did it first. They did it when Death Note was actually relevant. I know mm -hmm. there's going to be another Death Note movie coming. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it seems very odd to me mm -hmm. that uh, not just any Bongo comic, but one that won an Eisner did yeah. this first, and they're not acknowledging it. Mm -hmm. uh, Nina or Ian, neither one are involved. They and... found out when we found out. Yes, yeah, yes. I, I believe. Yeah, and I say, like, I think I saw Ian reply to Nina's tweet. So I first saw it in our uh, on Twitter. And my instant thought was like, wait, Nina did that, didn't she? And before I added Nina uh -huh. saying like, hey, you seen this? Because I am certain she has seen that. This, Yes. Uh, I then go to her Twitter feed and see she tweeted about it. And then Ian Boothby is like one of the first replies. And I'm like, they did what? <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to speak for Nina. If you want to know what she thinks about the situation, go to her Twitter at mm. Space Kyoto. But yeah, I, I don't like that they're doing this without uh any mention of what had come before and yes if you want to be a stinker bongo owns that property bongo owns that story and the art and everything and you know they're not they're not even like legally obligated to acknowledge that it yeah. happened before but it would be nice yeah if they... you're gonna do your way too late parody to actually mm -hmm. acknowledge the one that did it first and mm -hmm. totally did it in a, in a cool art style and yeah. again one in eisner yes yeah i i think it's kind of lame they're not doing that but i mean we've uh, we've talked about this as an overall thing an issue with there definitely seems to be at least with the simpsons writing producers a feeling of the simpsons comics aren't good or they don't yeah. care about them or sometimes publicly on commentaries they make fun of them which we thought was bad and sucked like so yeah i could i could totally see that this could have come up at some point and at its beginning they're like oh death note uh, well what if we parody that though it seems so random of all anime yeah all, i guess i mean it's a scary uh comic and, and animation series which makes it fit more for treehouse than like it would make sense to do a treehouse of say dragon ball or one piece you know yeah, but, they, but yeah. they could do one of a, a Jinji Ito uh comic they yeah. could do that so, it's just yeah. i mean i guess it, it's uh, death note is now a classic even though it's barely 20 years old and the anime is like i think like 15 years old at this point yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. even yeah i think it's like 15 years old but it feels like a little late to the party with this and then you know not acknowledging the original story i, I I'm, I'm repeating myself but it sucks and i yeah. don't like the, i don't like the situation and it, you can check out what nina has to say on her twitter account again i'm not speaking for her. these are my own thoughts but 
Uh, it, it it stinks. Yeah, it stinks. I, I don't particularly like it. I mean, they could uh, be easy to. We're we're too close to this story, perhaps. But I think I, so. Yeah. But I I do think you know it's uh, this. I would think a way to do this that uh, before it comes out, they could talk about this. Like maybe Selman could get aware of this. Like I and yeah. he made though it does strike me that like okay a producer uh, again we don't know and this i'm also not speaking for nina or ian but you would okay i could totally see producers high level producers they don't know yeah of course not but when you go down all these levels like nobody in the animation studio knew about the eisner winning uh comic of it yeah. like really like in and yeah, I mean, the design style of it is also like uh, uh, of the one screenshot they showed of it, of the animation version of it. It does look uh, good, though. I thought Mina's looked better. Like also, she, yes. she captures that art style uh, perfectly because Nina is an incredibly talented artist. And I uh, I love that she revealed or that extra details she revealed in in some of her tweets about it was that like the extra handicap of that she had to perfectly capture that style like not just how the artist draws death note but also like angles on it character designs like lisa looks just like l but then she revealed like oh and i also still had to style follow the house rule style of overbite which is unnatural for yeah. the art style she was mimicking like, i didn't even think i noticed until she pointed it out that's how subtle it is yeah. but uh yes but uh, again uh that's my thoughts on it maybe you could nicely tweet at matt salmon or Gene and say hey uh, do you plan on acknowledging the original story that won an Eisner or yeah, yeah. Uh, how about get uh, Nina and Ian involved in some way or at least mm -hmm. give them uh, some credit or a shout yeah. out or something? You know what? I, I would feel like if they just hired Nina to do an official like a promotional poster of the episode, mm -hmm. I bet she could do that. It'd yes. Be, and I bet. And, and we know she has reasonable rates. Yes. Fox. Like yeah, she's not hurting I, for work, but she yeah. I think she would love the opportunity. Yeah. I. But again, we're speaking for yes. her here. That's not fair. It's but, not our job. It's not our job to speak for women. No, I, I know. But uh, but we're not inviting women on this but, no no uh, no um but it, it's not as bad as burying the eisner award-winning work of a woman i would no, say i would i would agree <laughs> i would agree but uh yeah it was and again it that it happened the same week as the eisners like the, yeah, the eisners, yeah that's right yeah, uh, like uh, all, uh, on the anniversary of it winning the big award which gave so much prestige to bongo okay but I yeah. love, uh, the other interesting bit about it i i am curious about is they're going to hire an outside studio they didn't say who oh but, I, I missed that detail yeah okay. i uh they they say it's the, the, just not one of their standard studios to animate that segment uh and they didn't say what the other segments are going to be though matt selman in an interview did say uh one of the segments and they do more than four now even they do like you know 90 second segments or whatever he says one will break some rules quote break some of the rules we've never broken before hmm. which what could that be is simpsons it, porn yeah, uh, they're like, making yeah, it legal they're making it uh, or <laughs> i mean i would say one of the clear rules is homer can't be violent to lisa are we going uh, to see that i don't want to see that but uh, or will they say shit will they get away you know even in the movie they didn't say shit hmm. they, they could you can get away with one shit on tv now well, on disney plus though can Ooh, you dare boy. you i don't know well you know deadpool's on Di disney plus now so oh, all really bets are wow off. yes yeah if you i guess i had to sign that waiver when they added <laughs> all the right. 14 plus content if you if you went to disney plus this weekend you'd see uh Deadpool stretched out over the top of it. Yes. <laughs> so more uh, less angering season 34 news. Uh, Melissa McCarthy will be a guest playing the son of Abe's new girlfriend and Krusty mm. will become an Ellen style talk show host. Though it seems like 
they're playing on the the Ellen his mean stories. Yes. Uh, yeah. the, based on the description, it seemed like they were playing on the like Krusty can't handle being nice. I think that's like the the pitch of the story. But maybe they're playing off the Ellen is mean. It did like based on the pitch I read in, in articles, it didn't seem like they were underlining the Ellen sucks to work for her part. Uh, you know, a little bit. It definitely though. I mean. Maybe it is a crusty. It's about crusty can't be nice all the time on television, like for the morning show. Uh, but I, well, I mean, the, it's right there on a silver platter. Like this isn't even like hushed tones. You can talk about like, hey, Ed, nobody talks about it, but Ellen's not yeah. very nice. Like, no, this was front page headlines, and she quit her show over it. So that's true. Yeah, they. I feel like they could, and it's it's so easy. Krusty being an he already is an asshole boss. He was a joke about being an asshole uh, to uh, Johnny Carson style boss. That's true. Yeah, I'm sure they'll acknowledge it. I just want to see how it'll how it'll pan out. But yeah, no mm-hmm. other big news no no games no new movies no new dvds mm. uh, alex hirsch hosted the panel i saw the image that david silverman drew of uh, homer fighting shrek yes i also yeah. saw one that he drew of like skinner and chalmers watching uh, the aurora borealis together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it was all very fun but yeah. not uh, very fluffy nothing nothing big no giant news no like simpsons hit and run remastered no no, that... no season 20 actual actual season 20 dvds with commentaries nothing like that yeah when when 11 30 came around when uh, also because this was the first real comic con since 2019 this was not a streamed panel like the last two years have been because they were stay-at-home panels this was a real panel uh so the news of it all dropped like variety and entertainment weekly just hit publish like while the uh panel was going on or maybe right after and when i went into the variety article it said you know it described those upcoming episodes and then it said now don't expect anything about dvds or movies or video games and i was like oh well it really is deflating yeah (laughs) yeah. just i mean well at least uh, they you're not gonna be set up for disappointment i guess so it just you know you'll be disappointed (laughs) it sucks how much they uh disney uh, disney doesn't want to do the dvds anymore that's pretty clear now but i at least gravity falls creator alex hirsch had some fun making david silverman draw a couple silly things yeah 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 (laughs) and there are also more action figures on the way uh there's a wave three of the super seven figures and that's going to be uh, kang kodos uh, with maggie burns and ralph and these are all very cool uh, oh I, yeah i haven't gotten one of these yet i might want to get the burns <laughs> one i'm thinking about it hey if you pre-order it now you'll get it in 2024 oh jesus yeah. no i mean i'm still that suez canal is still blocked up <laughs> i ordered that uh crusty and i haven't even gotten like the the first hint of when it'll be coming out they have to so. open every package and remove the cigarette first <laughs> disney but yeah no the uh the kang and kodos uh are great i mean it's the accessories that really make the difference yeah like, all very very easy to lose it looks like <laughs> yes yeah well that's why you're not supposed to take them out of the box or you buy too like yeah that i think my favorite is that kang comes with a earth capital sign i think that's my favorite though burns does come with a bobo uh and a blinky served on a platter and perfectly steepleable fingers oh nice yeah, yeah the, like the, the sculpts are very good on those mm-hmm. or at least the theoretical sculpts these are all like you know the prototypes uh, prototypes yeah, yeah we uh, i've 
the Super Seven hasn't failed yet. I've never heard people say like, "Oh, they all suck. They don't. They never turn out how they look." I'm yeah. impressed by them so far. <laughs> so there's going to be a new uh, documentary on The Simpsons, a six-part doc uh, by the show Icons Unearthed. And yes, it's from the director of the toys and the movies that made us, so I won't be watching. <laughs> but I'm sure a lot of good interviews will come out of it, mm-hmm. though I imagine 90% of them will be left on the cutting room floor to make room for record scratch sound effects yeah. and wacky video transitions and narrators talking over people mm-hmm. that uh, are supposedly I, boring. Uh, but our bro Phil, Bill Oakley's in it, you know? I'm really... Yeah. I, I'm rooting for it. Yeah, I've uh, listeners, especially have talked to the audience, know that uh, when we get into like what we watch things, I've... I uh, I both hate but also have watched most of the docs from the the series of toy, the toys that made us or the movies that made us or also uh, the same group of people did now I can't remember the name of it but it was about uh, the Disney attractions as well uh, and all of them are so frustrating because they actually do great great interviews or they find the people that like if you gave me a list of here's the people you should talk to and they'll dish the dirt on all these things they pretty much get all of them like usually it's like oh well they couldn't get james cameron for aliens but they got the writer and the executive producer and like the uh, uh, the guy who did all the special effects but and this like uh, of the list of there's also some people who are just like oh that's the funny here's a comedian just to say stuff and i left that bullshit out of there but uh of my list of guests but they have bill oakley rich moore john Vitti, mimi pond i mean that's that's some dirt there Todd McFarlane, who, you know, uh, among all those other great things he did, he made all those great Simpsons toys. Uh, and Phil Roman, who I don't think I've I've seen a couple of Phil Roman interviews. He talks more about Garfield than Simpsons in most of them. Like he he rarely talks about uh, working. On That's Simpsons. how he made his first uh, castle. Yeah. It's yeah. built out of Garfield gold. I mean, it, it, but but yeah, so these are all we know the stories that some, that these people could tell. Uh, and I feel like the, if they want to find dirt for it. Bill Oakley can certainly talk about the critic thing or that he's not been invited back to the party. Mimi Pond, we did a whole interview with her. She's told her story. Like, John Vitti knows where the bodies are buried, but it, I wonder how, you know, uh, angry or not he'll make people in that. But Well, you know, James L. Brooks, uh, he has the iron curtain he throws down. because know, yeah. When that unauthorized oral history came out, uh, it was like basically all hands on deck with him saying, do <laughs> not talk to this person. Yes, yeah. I mean, that shows you that Vitti is not uh, part of that group no more. But yeah, it seems like a lot of the other classics uh, ain't in there. Like, no David Silverman, no... Uh, they. These people should get Wes Archer. He seems pretty open to talk, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'll check it out. Six parts too. It's like wow, they're really going deep in this thing. I'm sure it'll be better than the other like fawning. Like there's that BBC doc from like 20 years ago that I thought was like me kind of. I've never seen a good Simpsons documentary. That's because there. we make the best Simpsons uh-huh. uh, documentary content. Yeah, I mean, also I'm mad at the uh, the uh, maybe it's because I've shit all over his work on these <laughs> things. But icons on Earth, you can't talk to us. You can't you can't work with uh, the the talking Simpsons. Yeah, the guys. number one Simpsons podcasters. Yeah. What's going on here? And if Ali and Julie are in this, I'm gonna be extra uh, <laughs> jealous. <laughs> but but yes. Uh, look forward to it next year icons on earth season two mm-hmm. on vice tv and our final bit of news do i hear wedding bells <laughs> no i haven't gone crazy because yardley smith got married uh, for the third time to dan grice they met eight years ago at a simpsons fan event in springfield oregon yes and yeah. he was working security so uh, he later became a co-host on her podcast small town dicks mm-hmm. and then they fell in love yeah he's detective dan as uh, she referred to him on that podcast and 
yeah, they've uh, they've known each other for eight years, and finally, I think it was, uh, you know, they went, they they got a post COVID wedding. They can finally mm-hmm. have their wedding post COVID. Some of us had to do that. Yeah, uh, you know, John Cena just got married in Vancouver. I shared with you. I was like, hey, look, you and John Cena, you both uh, got for regular married during the pandemic and then had an uh your actual like party and stuff in vancouver How yes nice. my wife and i have a number of different wedding anniversaries <laughs> you can listen to us fall in love on our podcast hey, listen to right. summer four foot two that's nina's first <laughs> guest appearance in person you can hear the hearts floating above my head but uh you know yardley smith she seems like a real sweetheart yeah she was quite nice to us for the you know uh, 30 seconds we spent around here she was very nice she, so. she definitely humored us and yeah. i appreciate that <laughs> i wish her and detective day nothing but the wedded bliss especially because they're a podcasting couple like isn't yeah, that also yeah. beautiful too <laughs> couples who podcast together uh i need a rhyme i'll get back uh, to you <laughs> well i mean uh, well together rhymes with together but uh, man, podcast listeners you figure it out yeah. <laughs> it's a contest it's early in the morning here yeah. where our, our brain we're not as snappy as usual it's true <laughs> i don't even have coffee with me for once oh man i have water yuck uh so let's move on to talk about what's happening in our world our schedule let's talk about that so our what a cartoon episode for august will be the smiling friends episode enchanted forest yes we're covering a fairly new show a show from 2022 Mm -hmm. and it's a new adult swim hit it's very very funny and this is brought to us by one of our patrons professor gascan uh and uh we're really excited to talk about this actually recorded it like over two months ago yes yeah or maybe maybe two months ago but uh yeah very funny series and if you guessed it when bob was tweeting that he had watched the uh, rankin bass hobbit movie you were right yes that was the tip off and it's a very very good parody of that so yes kicking off august with uh, a look at a new series that's a lot of fun man the, the australian guy from smiling friends he is on the he's got a rocket strapped to him by the adult swim factory because he at comic-con he just announced a new show oh really the koala man show oh yeah uh, which he's making with justin roiland so i was gonna uh, say he's this decade's justin roiland yeah and it's uh it seems like most of his stuff aggressively aussie as well i love it so, i love it yeah so for patrons in august uh, as usual we have our patreon exclusive miniseries the first one uh, Talking Futurama will be covering the episode Godfellas, a mm-hmm. uh, parody of a classic Twilight Zone, kind of, but it's also asking a lot of questions about is God real? Is he a giant robot that we live on? <laughs> Things it, like that. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous episode, too. Yeah. Yes. And also on Talking of the Hill, we'll be covering Junkie Business, possibly the first bad episode <laughs> that still has funny parts, but oh, it's yeah. very wrong-headed. You'll hear us complain about it plenty on that episode. We just recorded it recently, and it's still yes. fresh in my mind. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of grousing about the libertarian uh, BS of it, which is, yeah. uh, which time... History has proven these were very unfounded worries that yes. the episode had about the ADA. But Absolutely. We, we dig deep into it. Small businesses are fine. Yes. Our, ours is doing well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's for $5 and up patrons at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And the entire back catalog is there as well. And for our movie for August, our What a Cartoon movie, we're covering uh, The Rescuers Down Under. Down to, Under. Down Under. <laughs> to uh, end our Disney Renaissance summer. So mm. yes, so far this summer we've done Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and now we're closing it out with The Rescuers Down Under, filling that important gap between yeah. Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Boy, it's a real, it's 89, 90, 91. We uh, are filling out that whole yes. time, but I guess we went 89, 91, 90. <laughs> yes, but, we're mixing it up here. It's a crazy summer. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, it's... Uh, uh, it's the odd one out uh, in that it's not a musical, that it's a sequel to a 1977 film, and Disney would be totally done with the, the, this type of movie after this movie. But it also is 
a hugely important moment uh, for technologically Absolutely. for Disney. Plus, you know all those great animators we talked about who worked on Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast? They also worked on Rescuers Down Under, but nobody really talks about the That's animation in it. why it looks so good. Yeah. I have not seen it yet, but I'm looking forward to watching it. Mm-hmm. And again, if you want to listen to that, that's at the $10 level, but you can hear the extended free preview on the free feed or on the $5 level a week early. And then uh, for September, our What a Cartoon Movie poll will be a yes-no vote mm-hmm. on uh, Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe because we want to wash that Disney taste out of our mouth mm-hmm. with our favorite root teenagers who are going to be on Paramount Plus very, very soon with new episodes. It's a whole Hell new season. Yeah, yeah. And I, I saw a clip of them watching TikTok videos, and it's the, it's the same thing. It's like <laughs> they didn't lose anything. Despite the media changing, the comments are still the same, and it's still funny. It's so, yeah, I watched that same one. It's the guy with the t- tattoo video, yeah, right? Yeah, like showing like, you to do, like, prison hacks. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's like, uh, you burn up my tea box. Why you burn up my... Oh, God, I love that. I love that guy. They, they are... Though it is a funny change in the dynamic, though, instead of mocking very powerful rock and roll stars, they are mocking like uh, a TikTok influencer, which some of those people are rich, but yeah. other people just have a TikTok. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, they put out a whole like uh, basically a full short as well, like I, an eight minute short. Um, I was tempted. <laughs> I didn't. I'm waiting for the series to go live, but it's about Beavis like talking to a dumpster fire. It's good. Yeah, yeah I watched the whole thing. It was really good. But yeah, you know we've. We have had a Disney-fied year so far, and it's time yeah. to get a little dirty again. It was like April, Roger Rabbit, and then May, Toy Story, and then three more months of Disney. <laughs> yeah. Now let's just, I think the rest of the year, no Disney or Pixar. That's correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got, uh, I mean, we did have the filth of South Park, but even that was yeah. done in parody of Disney. It was basically parodying the movies we then spent all summer doing. That's but, true. It was a good way to kick things off. Uh, plus, you know, here we've been all this nostalgic and shit, and not that we won't be nostalgic about beavis and butthead but this is a 22 2022 ass movie do the universe and we already both like it yes yeah and uh, we might have something cool in can relation to beavis and butthead do the universe this month that's too. Right, but uh, right. we we can't commit to it yet you don't know but yes. maybe maybe no promises kids yeah no promises. but yes that's all on the patreon at patreon.com slash talking simpsons now as for what we've been doing you know uh extracurricular activities not for mm. podcasting <laughs> i don't have a lot going on i mm. fell into a real monster hunter hole because the expansion just came out I'm playing Monster Hunter a lot, Monster mm-hmm. Hunter Rise. It's really good, and I can mention a game that no one has heard of and no one has played, uh, World's End Club. Yeah, I had ne- I saw your tweet about it. I was like, wait, what? Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you like Danganronpa and uh, you know Virtue's Last Reward and 999, don't play this because oh. it's like a bad version of that oh. made by the same people. Oh, Not very good. Bad. I regret the time I spent on it. That's too bad. But I, <laughs> yeah, I actually took a weekend off, which I never do. And I finished up a bunch of games I had, like, uh, almost finished. So I also finished uh, Kirby Squeak Squad and uh, Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance. So oh, just nice. finishing up some old portable games that were, uh, you know, 80% done. Cool, cool, man. Yeah, no, I, it seemed like Monster Hunter Rise is your big one because uh, often I would go on the Discord uh, and see, like, oh, Bob's playing this now. I was like, okay, wow, he's really doing it, Monster Huntering it up this month. I, I'm close to 100 hours, but that's not really anything for Monster Hunter, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as for watching... I am watching more One Piece at the gym. Uh, I'm in the water seven arc. It's getting really good. I'm enjoying One Piece. I'm watching like eight episodes a week. <laughs> wow. So conceivably, I could catch up. I'm only in episode like 280. We'll see where Ooh, I end boy. up. And you're going to be jacked by yes. the time you get to the end. Of uh, I am skipping the filler arc. So oh, okay. you can just you can cut out like 200 episodes <laughs> before we get to 1,000. 
Uh, I saw Cabaret for the first time mm-hmm. uh, because of the Blank Check podcast miniseries on uh, Bob Fosse. I got to support our f- uh, fellow entertainment Bobs. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yes, very, very good. I don't need to tell you that. It's great. Yeah, I, I watched it too this month and it was, um, you know, me and you watched about half of the same movie. It's true. Uh, but yeah, I uh, though, boy, what a time to watch Cabaret, a film about uh the rise of fascism as people like you know just have fun around it and if, uh, yeah. don't take it seriously if you're yeah. at a picnic and someone starts singing a song uh mm. get out get out of there <laughs> get the hell uh, out of there especially when everybody else speaks german most of the time and he sings it in english yeah. like yeah now that uh, but you know what i am uh that the, that song is entrancing the uh, the tomorrow belongs to me it it's, is uh, yes. uh, it's it's a well-written nazi anthem <laughs> that's why it's so evil but yeah, yeah that uh, oh and it's got an abortion in it too just to yeah. make it all, all Time, and like, bisexuality yeah yeah it's uh, got all the stuff in it uh mm-hmm. so also i'll mention these although you'll hear us talk about these on something else so i won't say anything more i saw new animated movies so did henry yep uh mad god and the spine of night uh they're fun mad god is very disgusting yes. but it's a one insane man's passion project that he got finished mm-hmm. so uh, kudos to him and uh, we'll talk more about those on something else. You'll hear it at yeah, some point in the future. We'll share it with you when you hear about. It. But yeah, it was it was certainly a change of pace. And we talk about all that Disney stuff we're living on. Oh boy, we haven't watched these uh, unrated, would likely be NC seventeen, were they to be rated movies. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Both on Shutter, if uh, you want to watch it there. Yeah. And I also saw uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade because I'm doing a podcast about the adventure game. And I have only seen this one once on DVD, like in 2007. So I haven't seen it in like 15 years. And I was like, oh, man, this movie is so good. And it's almost perfect, except for that kind of cringy beginning. Uh, like, it's yeah. so <laughs> good. And this is like the, the tackiest thing to say because everyone has said it. But it's funny to think that Sean Connery is 59 in that movie. Mm-hmm. And Harrison Ford will be 80 in the new movie coming out next year. <sighs> so fucking yes. old. He's so old. I mean, old, I think man. he's only like 12 years older than... Um, Harrison Ford so yeah, the yeah. father son thing doesn't really work if you think about it because well, he's younger than yeah he's younger than he's playing exactly but, yeah. yeah well I mean he's, yeah I guess that's technically what uh Indy is doing in the new movie but yeah it's like I don't know that but, but yeah the opening it's really just like isn't River Phoenix awesome he's gonna be the star of the 90s guys like yeah. that's what what it was about yeah. I did it's like well that's the origin of that it's yeah. like I didn't need to know how he got Harrison Ford's scar on his chin yeah. I assumed it was a carpentry accident <laughs> well and you know it's the pilot for the young Indiana Jones Chronicles yeah. that's what it's really about but. and that wasn't even successful no no uh, uh, and then Henry and I in theaters oh boy what a day at the Castro yeah. Theater they decided let's show a movie why yeah. not we're, we're a Castro Theater it's crazy we don't really yeah. do that anymore since we have evil new owners mm-hmm. so Henry and I saw a double feature of Gremlins and Gremlins to the New Batch with uh, Joe Dante, and also the writer of the New Batch was there for the second part of the uh, yes. of the show. Uh, yeah, and these were uh, preview cuts shown to audiences before the final cut. So there's different footage. Unfortunately, I don't know these movies well enough to tell you what's different, but uh, it was oh, a treat. I can tell uh, a couple of the biggies from from Gremlins uh, one, which was. Uh, the big one was, and I never noticed it was like a hanging thread in the original version, but like Judge Reinhold's a dick the whole movie, and, right, right. And the whole start of the movie. And he's like, you should be brave like me. I'm a badass. Like, you need to be really go for it, Billy. And then when all the shit goes down, they go to the... Uh, the vault at the bank, you know, which is where she tells her story about Santa Claus yeah. and her father. Uh, but 
they in the scene that's not in the theatrical release and i'd never seen before or heard about before though i'm also not like a gremlin scholar was they open up the vault and they're like oh wow hey you're in here he's like yeah everything went bad and they also murdered the the bank manager which they don't i think it was to keep the body count lower okay okay and so judge reynolds like so i'm staying safe in here you guys deal with it and they like he's he's like this sad pitiful guy and the other big change was the wicked witch character the awful lady yeah they give her a couple moments at home where she's sad about her dead husband right okay yeah i think dante mentioned that in like the post movie interview yeah he's like oh yeah she's too well because uh, he's like oh that made her too sympathetic so we we want you to not feel too bad when she's dead those were the i think the two biggies he he pointed out afterwards because yeah there were honestly like yeah i didn't have as much knowledge of it either going like wait what's new in this but yeah i also feel i felt a little bad for joe dante that the i felt the interviewer was a little too leading with him and saying like are these really political he's like yeah i guess yeah Um, you know and then he's like you know guys joe dante is 76 he's like why you, you think i'm gonna feel good about being 76 why you tell and then yeah. after joe dante's gone the host is like guys joe dante's not gonna live forever it's like what the, why be so fucking morbid we're here to have a nice time yeah yeah i'm sure he knows that too you know yeah no that it, it was a weird note to uh to drop on us there nah, i i thought that guy was too much uh, also it's like well he is he is the the guy who made that his thing yeah the, yeah, uh, the, the movie marathon yeah. yeah i'm sorry it's midnight for maniacs now yeah well yeah. now it's called a movies for maniacs midnights they, we're all getting too old <laughs> they don't go after midnight yeah. anymore now i mean I think Dante was a little like, uh, I, I got the sense Dante didn't love the, him interviewing him, but it was, you know, then an addendum to that was after we went to the Castro, that's when I became aware of the Save the Castro Conservancy movement, mm-hmm. which just a quick lip service to that is that the Castro Theater, which I love, my hu- uh, Bob loves too, my husband proposed to me officially in front of that theater. Uh, we saw many great movies there. It got bought by a new company that's based out of Berkeley called Another Planet Entertainment, Ape, and who ran the event. And the the host gave it so much lip service, like it was like, and let's thank Ape for our partners. But what I learned from Save Castro Conservancy, which is not the oh, it is a group of fans. They are going to change the inside of it and get rid of the theater seating. It will not be a sloped seat. Uh, it will not be a sloped thing down to it. It'll be a flattened thing. And also it'll be where they can move in seats, but also move them out and have an open floor thing to do lots of events there. That is bullshit. Like, yeah, I don't uh, like that. The Castro needs to stay the same. The point of having the Castro, there are a million places in San Francisco you can go to with an open dance floor. Like the Castro is the Castro. And I learned about it because the owners of the Castro are being very defensive about it. Like we need to modernize. Like it's not going to be bad. Yeah, like, they're like people are being unfair. Yeah. Well, I think the Castro is even more special. This is local news, by the way. <laughs> yes, uh, the yeah. Castro is even more special because, and I'm sure this could be happening in your neck of the woods, listener. Uh, all of our local theaters are closing. Yep. There were three in downtown Berkeley. Now like there's two. Hundred year old one gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, older than that. Yeah. Mo- it's actually yeah, older. Yeah. The Castro turned hundred. That one was like 112 or something, or 110. <sighs> yeah, the the yeah. California theater. So yeah, I mean, it sucks. And we're anti we're anti ape here on the podcast. Yeah, I know. It's just like uh, every but everything's getting more corporate. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, but about Gremlins. Yes. Gremlins. I'm not a Gremlins super fan. Mm-hmm. And I realize that's because the, the effects are fun and I love it and it's a fun ride. But it's so bad at telling a story, which is why the second movie <laughs> is just a bunch of sketches. Yes. The first movie, I'm like, wasn't there something in here about a land developer? They completely lose that. It's just like, mm. what was going on? And the movie made me re- truly appreciate Michael J. Fox upon watching it again, because Zach Galligan is a dead eyed nobody. <laughs> 
zero charisma. That's why he didn't have much success after. Exactly. Hired because he's cute. Mm. But it makes you realize, like... Billy is as much of a character as Marty. He is he is like a nothing. Yeah. And yeah. Michael J. Fox's manic performance made Marty McFly into a fun character to watch. Yeah. And to and to root for. Billy is a nobody. Yeah. And I I can't stand Billy, which is why he's barely in the sequel. And there's mm-hmm. like, will Billy sell out? Oh no! And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, he sucks. Yeah. Phoebe Cates acts rings around him. Yeah. And she's so funny in it too. And. Yeah, I, I forgot seeing it. I'd never seen uh, Gremlins two with a real uh, since childhood in a theater. Uh, I had seen Gremlins one in the Castro before actually, but just when she to see them back to back, one to see her big speech about Santa Claus, yeah, yeah. and the reaction face on Gizmo of like, Ugh! like oh my god, the whole audience just explodes at that, and then to see him back to back. When she does the same speech about why she doesn't like Lincoln's birthday, yeah. they're like, we, we don't have time for this. And they just cut it off. God, so good. Gremlins yeah. do a lot of fun. And we got to see the crappy, uh, not the full version, thank God, but the boy Chuck Jones shouldn't have been uh, directing that thing. It yeah. was a nice favor from Dante. I asked a nice question about the his uh, friendship with Chuck Jones, which Joe Dante was happy to, to answer. So the first time I noticed Chuck Jones in the first movie yes, at the yeah, bar. Yep. Yeah. He's a compliment. Billy's work which he's like that's good drawing and I should know thanks <laughs> thanks Mr. Jones oh he calls it Mr. Jones I think he does okay. I think he does uh, so yeah that was a lot of fun yeah. uh, and finally just a few days ago I finally got around to watching uh, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion have never seen it and I've always wanted to see it because uh, David Merkin mm-hmm, from The Simpsons mm-hmm. wrote and directed it sorry directed it but it is such his movie uh, spoilers for Romy and Michelle, by the way. Skip forward a minute if you don't want to hear this. What I love most about it, it has one of the best David Merkin screw the audience jokes where they go to the reunion and 20 minutes of, of activity happens and you're like, things are getting a bit heightened, but maybe that's where this movie is going. Then it's revealed that uh, Lisa Kudrow's character was asleep in the car and they had just <laughs> shown up. So David Merkin, waste your time. David Merkin, waste your time for 20 minutes in that movie Man, and yeah. no apologies. Yes, and, then- and I was like, this is the perfect David Merkin joke to do this for a paying audience. This is what his entire career was leading up to. Yeah, it's uh man, I haven't seen that in a few years. In some years, I I love that movie too. And before I I knew David Merkin as the Simpsons man, I I I just liked it cuz you know, Lisa Kudrow, I love her and stuff. Like, but yeah, I I got to watch that again soon. I'm I'm glad you finally seen it's, it. Yeah. It wasn't like fall down on the floor funny, but it was a uh, very sweet. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. and I like the characters and uh, they're not as dumb as you might think they are well, going into the movie. And Kudrow had been playing that character for years and right. years like it's her bringing a character she they like invented to the big screen i think and, it was a play in like 1988 yeah yeah it's a groundlings thing yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that was a bunch of movies i saw this month and also uh we went to some live shows henry you can talk more about that when we get to what he's been up to i went to minneapolis for a week i love minneapolis have not been there in three years because of covid ostensibly i was there for um, sgdq although i was only there for one day on the premises uh it was really an excuse to uh, eat and drink in minneapolis with friends and it was great and that was the first like actual real trip to a non-location where my wife lives uh in a long time that's nice because like all of our trips were would be me flying to her or her flying to me because travel elsewhere forbidden yeah uh so it was nice to go somewhere else although i love vancouver but it was like uh, a midwestern summer i haven't felt this in years and it, it was great it was great oh that's awesome man yeah uh so 
Uh, as for my month uh, with games, played a bit more of FF14 because they had like a free week or th- thing at the end of June, uh, which I had a good time with that. I played a lot of TMNT Shredder's Revenge. I've nearly beaten me and my husband playing together. I'm uh, Leo. He's Donnie. That's uh, normally who we're playing as. Though we haven't unlocked uh, Casey Jones yet. I, I kind of want to play as him a bit. In April, it'd be, uh, it'd be fun to play as April. But since you level up and stuff in it, I kind of just want to stick with Leo. But yeah, it's gorgeous. Oh my god, it's so beautiful. Like games need to look like this more often. It's. Uh, I, I'm waiting for a sale, but I do want to play through it. Uh, so you don't have Game Pass? That's how uh, I've been playing. I don't have Game Pass because uh, the amount of games I own is anxiety-inducing. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, and uh, speaking of uh, free games included with subscriptions, I've also been playing Stray on the PS5. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's just a nice uh, puzzle platformer with a cool gimmick to it that you are just like a cute kitty cat. Uh, I have seen some people complaining that it has a bit of techno-orientalism, hmm. uh, which it is uh, French developers. They sometimes can fall into that. I I don't think it's not wrong, but I, I will reserve judgment until I like finish the game. But uh, And then I went to... Uh, me and Bob both play Pikmin Bloom all the time. I went to, we were lucky. There were three cities in the U.S., one in Texas, one in New York, <laughs> and then Oakland, California. Take that flyover states. It had Pikmin Bloom Community Day, where if you go to the Jack London, this is over now. If you went to <laughs> Jack London Square in, uh, in Oakland by the uh, the docks, you could prove to them, like, here, I've taken 5,000 steps today, and I've taken far more than that. And they're like, all right, here's your free T-shirt. And they hand, I got me a free T-shirt and a Pikmin hat, uh, like a little paper hat. But the T-shirt is an actual, like, good T-shirt. It's the, it's one of the T-shirts you can wear in game. Hmm. So it's, I it's did see it. Nice. It's a nice, it's a nice yeah. uh, fit. So it was, and it was cool to be at Pikmin Bloom Community Day. It was also like a Pokemon Community Day, and it was basically like there were twelve Pokemon fans for every one Pikmin fan Aww. there. But we were uh, important. We matter. You know, we were. I think the Pikmin fans were about five to ten years older than the Pokemon fans there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a good time. Well, the last new game was like nine years ago. So yes, yeah. And if you don't count the Switch re-release, and that one was after like uh, twelve years with no new or Not another nine years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, t- two thousand four and then. 2013 i think yeah. and in 2032 i look forward to another one uh but uh, so yes as for watching i saw many of the same things bob did but what other than that i saw i watched all that new stranger things season i think it was the best season yet how uh, much stranger things are there because i think every month for the past three months this has been a <laughs> an item well basically in may they released uh, most of the new season but not the last two episodes and then over july 4th weekend they released the last two episodes of the season Mm. uh and it was really good Uh, there are too many characters and it's too long but i really liked it and they are also as the algorithm told them to they're upping the gay quotient in it too which is positive for me okay yeah no it's it's a good show it's fun sometimes it's fun to watch the zeitgeisty thing and this uh i've seen crappier seasons in stranger things this one was really good is that why you watch the next thing yes i mean (laughs) i watched the next episode of marvel the tv show in theaters Uh, or love and thunder so uh, comic-con just happened as a marvel fan when you see that giant wall of logos do you just want to like throw up you know it's starting to feel like too much even for me like this is your assignment it is i mean look i i've said it before but 
this is exactly what I wanted. Like, this is a wish come true <laughs> with ironic genie. The monkey paw it, curled it, a finger it, in. It is. I read every Marvel comic all the time, and I thought, I want an interconnected... It wouldn't be great if there were an interconnected universe like that. Obviously, that will never happen, because if they have a Spider-Man movie, it's just Spider-Man. He's not going to meet other characters. Now, every movie has every character in it from everything, and everything's a crossover. So much so to the fact that their new thing... They reveal it. The Comic Con is it's the multiverse saga, and I fully expect the uh, film that caps it off, Avengers Secret War, Secret Wars, which the comic that is based on is about multiple universes intersecting. I think they're gonna when they get to the firework factory of that, it will have every actor who's been in any Marvel movie ever all together at once. Everybody that they can get, I think. Well, it's all be. film separately. Yes. Oh, well, and then sure. composite it together. Yeah, but but yeah, Thor: Love and Thunder as a film by itself, uh, it's it's all right. It's all right. Not half as good as Ragnarok. Ragnarok, and I mean, certainly I was feeling the COVID blues of it. Of like, boy, this just looks kind of crappy in parts like everything's just very disconnected and the uh, special effects don't look particularly good enough i and just uh, uh take away what tt uh don't waste your time on this <laughs> do do your uh, own thing yeah i like his other stuff but uh including what we do in shadow what we do in the shadows the new season which i've been watching this month really really great but yeah thor love and thunder man but i'm looking for it i know bob i'm just watching all my assignments i watched all of this <laughs> marvel this month too and it was all right. It was good. It's good. It's good. Uh, they don't make her half as Muslim as I want her to be, though. Aww. Like they, I mean, she, it's not like she's not a Muslim in it. But she, in the first comics, they worked hard to have her like quote the Quran and actually have it like at least to my outsider's ears, it sounded like, boy, that sounds like a deep cut for the Quran. I don't know, but but at least she is like it's a one of uh, Muhammad's B sides. Uh, but but she is a practicing Muslim in the in the show. But uh, but the next month uh, in August. That's the one I've been waiting forever for, She-Hulk. I love She-Hulk. She's one of my favorite characters. I've been reading She-Hulk comics since I was like fucking eight. I love She-Hulk. I've been waiting for this. Designed to make uh, men horny, though. Oh, yeah. She's, look, yeah, but, but hey, there's a lot of Elvira-style sex symbol ladies that also have gay followings. Like So, yeah. Straight guys like her for horny reasons, and then gay guys like her for... I also... There was a really good pride comic marvel put out this last month uh full of short story collections of like uh classic marvel characters and and some uh less new ones or some newer ones too and they introduced a trans character who loves she hulk and she you know grew up dreaming of being a, a woman in part because of, of uh, she hulk inspired her with her fem- her version of femininity hmm. it was a really good story but but anyway yeah i'm really looking for also tatiana maslani she's a good actress but okay enough <laughs> marvel talk yes that roadmap does seem like a whole lot of work uh there's yeah. there's too many movies in one year that's really the problem these phases used to last four years the, the phase is now 18 months i think of movies and now uh star wars is a tv show right yeah star wars no star wars movies getting announced anytime soon they're all tv shows kind of yeah. surprised me but i guess it shouldn't <laughs> uh other stuff i watched uh, this month was uh that new Nathan Fielder show the rehearsal it's great it is great if you want the peak of cringe reality show comedy stuff like it is it it is it is uh like a wonder to behold Hmm. I I don't want to even spoil it it's just amazing if you got HBO Max watch it 
I've been watching that Bird Girl show. It's all right. It's good. It's it's growing on me. It is just like a BoJack workplace comedy uh, kind of thing, though. It, it is, gets in that zone. It's in the is it in the Harvey Birdman universe? Yeah, yes, but uh, they're not allowed to have any H and B characters. It's all original. You know, I never went back to see that Harvey Birdman movie they made or that <laughs> special they I made. I heard it was less good, and now yeah. if you watch it, it's all about the Trump uh, era, which it'll seem dated as fuck. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, but the bird girl show it's all the it's bird girl mentox daughter and then just original characters everywhere else mm. like yeah uh but it's it's good and Paget brewster rules i yeah, love her i've always loved her uh i watched all the new season of the iron chef on netflix and then watching old iron chef on peacock great time and i see it is uh, preparing me for the eventual uh 30 33 iron chef uh futurama will be doing soon that's the season three closer that's i think in uh september or october it's it's october yeah yeah. uh then uh, also i uh watched some of the new 4k version of panda go panda the uh, which the g kids put out they're putting out new versions all the uh miyazaki stuff uh and the last thing i want to talk about uh, other than the live show we both went to was i went to hades town i had not seen hades town before didn't know any of the songs from it it was really 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 good i saw the the traveling group in san francisco it's like you know a jazzy rock uh musical like hades town this is reminding me of the uh musical they did in home movies (laughs) uh bye bye greasy yeah Yeah. (laughs) but no no it's uh if I described it, it would sound kind of lame, but I promise you, I swear, I didn't think it was lame, but it was, it's, guess what, Bob? It's the future. It's, uh, climate uh, problems have caused people to go underground. The haves and the have nots. It's a class struggle, but also it's a retelling of the story of Hades and Eurydice. Uh, uh, Eurydice? I think Eurydice. Yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, the, there's some really great songs, especially, uh, Wait for Me is my favorite song. But hmm. anywho, that was great to see live uh, at the Orpheum. And then me and you saw quite a fun live thing, too. Yeah, we saw Tim Heidecker on his new tour where he's doing two Tims. some yeah. of his, uh, you know, fun stand-up comedy character mm-hmm. and also his sincere and also funny songs. Yes. Uh, and it was a great show. I'm not very familiar with his musical output, but I enjoyed what I heard. And he played a very, very uh, funny song from Bob Dylan uh, <laughs> that Bob Dylan, I'm sure, thought was a very good song. So yeah. uh, he's probably doing it on his tour, but he he plays the song uh, Lenny mm-hmm. uh, and it's real. Yeah. And it's a real song. And he stops the comment on the lyrics as he plays it because I'm like, wow, uh, I, I had to I'd, I'd look it up on YouTube yeah, when I got too. home. Like, I, this can't be real. Because he, he prefaces with, I know you guys are going to think I'm faking this because yeah. I do this a lot. I'm Tim Heidecker, I know, but seriously, look it up for yourself. It's from these bad, forgotten Bob Dylan stuff. Yeah, I. I loved his new songs, like, and that he ended with my favorite of his real songs, Work From Home. Like, I love that song. And he, uh, and also I didn't know Vic Berger was such a great yeah. musician. He was great. I thought yeah. he was just the the meme video guy. He's multi-talented. He was doing keyboards. Yeah. Oh, that man. night. It was so good. And yeah, his stand-up was, the funny thing too with his um, anti-woke comedy stand-up character uh, is that, 
to do the character correctly, he has to scream. But yeah. then when he comes out back as himself, he's like, Ugh, horse, voice little horse, you know, I got to scream as that guy. This, and it, we were like the second show of his tour in yeah. San Francisco. So I hope he's he's hanging in there. Seems like a lot, a lot of energy you got to expel immediately on that show. I get tired from doing a, a one hour <laughs> live show where I sit and talk. Yeah. Though, you know what? Tim Heidecker is in good shape. He's yeah. Yeah. In great looking shape. And, and also I got to give it to him, too, that he had a hole at his merch stand one they're like okay you're buying our you know 40 dollar t-shirt do you also want to give some money to an abortion fund uh, it's like oh yeah i i'm being very selfish buying <laughs> this 40 dollar t-shirt yes the, i give 10 bucks that's a great know. place to ask for more money yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's also a dsa sign up table yeah, there too so yeah, tim's a good dude yes that was a great a fun night of comedy i've always yes. loved tim heidecker yeah we had a nice time <laughs> though though you mentioned there were i didn't notice the people sitting next to you were not there for the music that, no uh, <laughs> i i don't know why they were there it was like three uh tech bros mm. uh, I, I assume they were tech bros based I guess on the way status thing perhaps yeah or yeah. it's like they they knew about like awesome show or whatever but i just remember um the one of the guys telling the other guys like oh man you gotta come to my bachelor party it's gonna be a complete banger uh. and i'm like what are these guys doing at a tim heidecker <laughs> show and it seems like they didn't enjoy anything when everyone stood up for parts of the show they sat down and just talked amongst the talked amongst themselves so i'm like why why did you why did they uh, stay yeah, why did they stay get out of here yeah, yeah man Ugh. but it was also fun like uh, uh i actually had been to the palace of fine arts before but i didn't realize <laughs> He said I had forgotten because I didn't explore the pretty parts of it. Uh, but the Palace of Fine Arts or Place of Fine Arts, as Tim kept calling it. Uh, was, you've seen it in a lot of movies. Yes. Yeah. It was, uh, for instance, if you've seen The Rock, uh, that's where after the big car chase in the start of the movie, uh, that's where Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage kind of talk to each other. Yeah. So and people are always doing photo shoots there because it's very pretty. Yeah. We, we walked by multiple photo shoots for like I would I think they were for uh, for weddings. I think it seemed yeah. like it. Yeah. yeah. Let's move on to comments for Talking Simpsons, the first episode, Treehouse of Horror 2. And Joe Hodgson says, candy necklaces are a thing that still exists, despite being pretty terrible candy. I can't recall seeing any in my kids' Halloween hauls, but they definitely show up at birthday parties. There are also bracelet varieties. Candy cigarettes still exist, too, as do bubblegum cigars. I had to get my kids' passports last year and was slightly taken aback when the postal employee taking care of us offered my kids a bubblegum cigar. It just struck me as an oddly specific thing to decide to have on hand to gift to kids who are getting their first passport. <laughs> that, that is crazy. Like, I feel like you have to special order bubblegum cigars. Like, <laughs> you can't buy them at, like, a Sam's Club or whatever <laughs> Safeway. I feel like only one, probably only one company makes them now. Yeah, and probably they, somebody who does it out of political intent of like the woke scolds don't want us to give kids bubblegum cigars anymore. But I'll be damned if I'm going to give in to them. I assume that like there was a tradition of when because I saw it in old cartoons, of course, like when your wife has a baby, you pass out cigars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe <laughs> other good events in your life happen. I, I bought candy cigarettes as a kid, but they weren't good candy. No, they suck. And I like, bought them again in college because I was like, oh, candy cigarettes that's fun and i was like this is just like eating chalk <laughs> yeah the uh you know the uh it, the detail that the uh the candy bracelets and necklaces are at kids birthday parties that really struck a core of me it was like oh yeah your gift bag or the you know the birthday bags you hand out to all the kids yeah, at a big birthday party with the cheap rotten candy <laughs> yes. yeah i mean it, it doesn't seem to get much cheaper than uh, than that terrible candy man remember that great birthday boy show we went to where one of their bits was just throwing shitty grandma candy into yes. the audience of like here's some neko wafers and just throw <laughs> and toss them in there i didn't get uh, any crappy candy 
Not, uh, not, not one bit of honey for me. <laughs> uh, James Babbo also says about that episode, every time I've watched that third segment, I was reminded of the 1958 Hammer film, The Revenge of Frankenstein. When Burns tells Smithers he's going to die and he tells him what to do, it's exactly the end of the film where Frankenstein where Dr. Frankenstein, played by Peter Cushing, is dying and tells his assistant, you know what to do. The flunky then puts the doctor's brain into a new body that coincidentally looks exactly like his old body. Considering this is a kind of Frankenstein parody, it cannot be coincidence that the endings are similar, and I'm sure the writer's room were Hammer fans. It's possible. I hmm. agree. I think that's yeah. possible. They, I mean, they you would know, have said it on the commentary, I feel like. Though, I, but, I think so. Yeah. Uh, did John Swartzwalder write that one, that, that uh, sketch? Uh, I forget. Nah, I think it was VD. Okay. I think it was, but I mean, because... The, the writer, I mean, this is easily looked up. I, you might be right, Schwarzwelder, but the, I mean, the only credit I remember them doling out was that on the commentary that it was uh, Jake Hogan who did the uh, Davy Crockett. Oh, yeah, I'm Davy Crockett. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, you know what to do is a pretty play and generic line mm-hmm. but it could also come from the movie somebody yeah. could have been a stinker and snuck that in as like yeah. a reference. I mean, these hardcore, uh, if you were a nerd of uh, of that age in the early 90s you probably did growing up did watch a lot of those hammer horror films growing up mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's why peter cushing's in star wars because it was a hammer films nerd uh george lucas casting the movie and also know? being filmed in england yeah that's also it. that makes it easier yeah that's true <laughs> uh let's move on to sweets and sour marge so boyd atkins the fourth says uh libby is correct and they did change the recipe to Butterfinger when Nestle sold the candy bar to Ferraro in 2018. As a person whose favorite candy bar was Butterfinger, I can tell you the new recipe is so different that they could have changed the name and made it completely separate. If you're curious and want to know if it'll take you back to your childhood, the answer is no. It's a stark <laughs> reminder that everything changes and adulthood is a scam. Damn, man, boy, you know what? They they, they shouldn't be bringing back the old slogan then in that Butterfinger Cops uh, commercial yes. stuff because it's if it's so different now the thing is uh i after doing this podcast and reading this comment i was like i want to find a butterfinger mm. but in this area no matter where i go <laughs> nobody has a butterfinger wow all the fingers have been laid on the butterfingers <laughs> and you know what i'm filing that into the uh, better off that didn't happen department because i have not had a candy bar in over a decade i don't want to start eating candy bars in my 40s <laughs> it seems a little late for that yeah. I, boy not even like uh, just a miniature from the free bowl somewhere or maybe whatever. like a fun size but i have not like purchased a candy bar at a at a store wow man we we live different lives no i know (laughs) i haven't bought you know i haven't bought a full-size candy bar in a while i bought i i've i've purchased sweets don't get me wrong but uh yeah just like one uh, oh a twix i'll get that in the uh at checkout like no i i don't do that yeah like, the, the sweets i do purchase now are are uh, high quality <laughs> I, I buy c's chocolates at the airport oh sure yeah if you want a 60 dollar box of chocolates <laughs> they've got they've got them uh you know twix my number one candy bar that's uh butterfingers far to the bottom it's crazy nestle can just sell off one candy bar they're like not the whole business just just butterfinger yes we don't want it anymore <laughs> it's got the simpson stink on it you know what when i go to target and other stores i see what looks like a butterfinger but it's, it's some Reese's thing. Oh, it's right. some Reese's product. Yeah, it's like Reese's. The, the, yeah, they Reese's peanut butter cups now are just like. Oh, it's also just like a Reese's bar. Like the Reese's. Yeah. Like yeah, they've 
Reese's can be anything. It's it's really uh, expanded. I, I have not bought a candy bar in over a decade, but occasionally I will buy a little bag of the uh, dark thin Reese cups, mm. and I'll put them in the freezer. Uh, those are, that's good. And yeah, it's I, good to have like one with coffee. I prefer those thin ones to the, like the the like bell shaped ones because uh, I prefer the spread out. Yeah, me too. Uh, peanut butter than it's all just in one like hunk. Yeah, <laughs> Ron Sterling says about that episode my wife's grandmother was at the time of her graduation the tallest woman to ever matriculate her high school at the statuesque five nine the tallest man it was indeed robert wadlow who graduated two years earlier in 1936 from their tiny school near st louis missouri she described the sound of his footsteps as seeming like thunderclaps she died two years ago at the age of 100. Sadly, Robert would only survive to 22. I don't know if she still holds a record for the tallest woman at Alton High, but I was always more of an Uncle John's bathroom reader than a Guinness World Records guy. Yep, it's always going to be Wadlow. You can't <laughs> beat that guy. No, I mean, impo- I, uh, I suppose if somebody wanted to, to uh, experiment with enough growth hormones, but I feel like then... Uh, the uh, the Guinness wouldn't honor that. It'd be no, no. He's cheating. What he was happen? a pure, uh, pure blood freak. <laughs> Though I guess you know, certainly there's been taller people than five nine. In I would think just in St. Louis, taller women yeah. than five nine. Like with all the sh- with all the shit and food today, like it can't, uh, people are growing taller. It's true. Yeah. Actually, uh, when I was in Japan, I was surprised that like, oh, uh, people aren't as short as I was told they mm. would be. There's some short people. There's some real. Short. I, I think mean, it's because of the, the addition to milk to diets mm, in japan uh you know uh, though one of my favorite videos of our pal steve yurko was when he was last in japan and he's like you know six six he's a tall guy yeah uh just him walking down the street in japan and like people just stop him like hey oh my god look at you and <laughs> like i think uh, a group of uh drunk businessmen uh who seemed younger than him were like we want to lift you up like it's you know at a high school pep rally or whatever and just throw him in the air because they were so impressed at his height yeah mm. <laughs> I, I was usually the, the tallest person on a train mm. unfortunately my wife does fit the stereotype she's very small i was i was you i was often the taller a uh, taller person on the train too when i've been there i'll i'll scope out my height comparatively the next time i'm there which hopefully you know eventually it'll happen i i, I need to take my honeymoon there yeah what is these days yeah. uh let's move on to lisa's pony uh joe hodgson says this is an episode that if i watch it with my kids makes me look like a bad dad because when homer shamefully realizes he doesn't have a picture of lisa in his wallet my kids ask why i don't have pictures of them in my wallet the answer is obvious because my cell phone is loaded with them but it reminds me that the wallet photo is kind of dead at this point and yet you still get a bunch if you order school pictures that just accumulate in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> that's wasteful. And I think the wallet photo is now your lock screen. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's, that's why a... my wife is on my lock screen. <laughs> Man, you're making me look bad that my husband is in my lock screen. What do you screen. have, Spider-Man? It is Spider-Man. Oh, my yes, gosh, yeah. Henry, come on. Well, you've seen it, but I, thought, I figured you just knew that from the... Yeah, I, I know Spider-Man. it was Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Spidey with his cup of coffee from Spider-Verse. Cause... Why don't you just marry Spider-Man? <laughs> no, no. I love my husband. Even if Spider-Man was real i wouldn't he can I, be your wallpaper let's uh, let's have a compromise your husband can be your wallpaper and spider-man can be your lock screen yeah no it's the same spider-man picture as wall screen and lock paper uh-huh. uh, but it's the it's a reverse version of it it's him upside down but look i have photos of, i got multiple photos of him behind you on the wall uh on the shelf there behind you bob we have photos but i'm just saying uh, don't feel bad it's yeah but 
that, I think that is the, the wallet picture is now your lock screen. Mm, yeah. And then also the thousands of photos you have on your phone. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, too, it's like uh, if you're a dad, it's uh, you have to have that thing on the back of your van of like the stick figure family oh, right. every member of it. You know, that that's the wallet photo. I like the one that's two uh, adult stick figures and a pile of money. Oh, I have not seen that one. Yes. Man. It's part of the child-free <laughs> lifestyle. Uh, also on Lisa's Pony, Patrick Howell says... As not only a band director, but also someone who plays a reeded instrument, the clarinet, the fact that Lisa is eight and plays with a berry sax with a size four and a half reed has to be a joke. The thickest size I've played on is a four, and most days, even that is like trying to make sound on a block of wood. Hmm. So a four and a half reed, I didn't realize how uh, how thick a four is, and then four and a half for an eight-year-old girl to use for a, a giant saxophone. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think like uh, Mike Reese or Al Jean, one of their brothers, played the sax, but I guess oh, he played Gene, yeah. a different kind of sax than what Lisa has. Yeah, it's funny to hear. Uh, I, I wonder if they're closer or not now. But he uh, he joked about how like, oh yeah, my brother's. I think he. Oh yeah, he. When he talks about the Cape Fear soundtrack, and he says like, oh yeah, listen to the uh, the violins there. Oh, I guess it's brass. I should know that my brother. Is oh right, a, is a musician. I was like, oh yeah, this guy. It, I hope him and his brother have reconnected more. But uh, I appreciate having a real band director and uh, reeded instrument player, Thank Patrick, uh, way in there. We'll send our complaints to Algina Mike Reese. <laughs> uh, Jaws Wire shut us up next, and Sean Riley says, great episode, dudes. With regards to modern movie trailer parody discussion, I think that the spooky version of an old rock song would be done in an updated 2022 joke. They even did it for the recent season of Stranger Things with Separate Ways by Journey. Yes, and I, I feel bad that I didn't think of that. Like, what is yeah. what do they do with songs and trailers now? They do this to the point where I've been in theaters. When it happens, people laugh. Yeah, yeah. I. They're like, oh, come <laughs> on. Or the people just scoff. Like, it, this does not work anymore. You know, with Stranger Things, I'll give them credit too because it was a remix of the Journey song. They didn't get a cover of it. They just... Like, it'd be like, so, the real Journey song, someday love will find you, boom, boom, boom. And then, you know, some dramatic music would cut in. And then it was like they had the acapella version of it, and then they cut in their own music to it. And and it also, there's not, I'm not going to, there's not a super spoiler for Stranger Things finale, but it did the anime thing of, they're playing the trailer song separate ways has come in now in the actual episode this is serious oh that is an anime thing yes yeah uh and you know in that very good trailer for uh wakanda forever the next black panther movie it also does this it's the no woman no cry it's a cover of it uh do you think that's I don't know. People are allowed to feel ways about this thing, but I, it feels like, uh, isn't it like a little disrespectful of Chadwick Boseman if it's just like, he's actually dead. Give us your money. Yeah, well, I mean... I know they're also paying tribute to a great uh, man who lost very early, but it also feels like a corporation is puppeting his corpse around uh, a little bit. It's really complicated. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I mean, yeah, it's very it's very tricky. I'm not trying to be disrespectful myself. I, I mean, just, I felt a little icky about it. The, the cast and creators of it seem very invested in it and wanting it to be a tribute to Chadwick and it would certainly his estate would you would think wouldn't want to be involved in it if they or would have prevented it. Yeah. If, I, I mean, yeah, it's it all sounds very complicated, but also, yes, it is. 
I do feel like Marvel is trying to present it to of just like, no, this isn't disrespectful. See how respectful everybody else is here? Anyway, you know, you'd be really insulting Chadwick if you didn't show up to the <laughs> exactly. movie. If you didn't show up in uh, theaters. Chadwick it's, wants you to buy that steel box. No, it's, uh, it's very, I mean, it's also super sad because like yeah. Black Panther really was this huge thing. It made a trillion dollars without being a giant crossover because there had never really been a black superhero film to that size in America that was presented that way. And, you know, for a whole generation, like this was their superhero, like they, and then he's taken away by fate, you know, he's taken away from you right when you meet him. And it's, you know, some fans have said they should recast. Some said they shouldn't. And it's, but it's now just so depressing that like, and I guess the point of the movie will be to, get over that depression and there's going to be a new black panther but mm -hmm. i some fans have said they should recast because it's like t'challa is bigger than this guy or bigger than even chadwick boseman and that they shouldn't take away t'challa from fans just because the actor died they've recast other people in roles but yeah it uh, seems like they're not doing that yeah yeah but, it's a very tricky situation yeah but hey i'm also excited that namor's in it man i love namor he's so great i uh, he's imperious rex the ridiculous is namor guy. some kind of seaman yeah he's uh, he's he's the submariner Bob. okay he's, sorry uh, and he predates aquaman even though aquaman's more famous he's the submariner he's got wings on his feet he can fly he's uh uh and also they have now He'd always been drawn as a white man uh, up to this point, but uh, the actor playing him, I believe, is Mexican, hmm. uh, and they are changing things up a bit with the people of Atlantis, which is totally fine by yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So, uh, it, but yeah, that movie has to it has to make a new Black Panther, be a tribute to Chadwick Boseman, and introduce all of Atlantis and Namor, uh, and probably there's some multiverse bullshit in there. It's too, gonna be three so. and a half hours long. Yeah, okay, hey, November, can't wait for it. I I believe in Ryan Coogler. I think he's great. Sorry, all this Marvel talk here. Uh, <laughs> Also on that episode, Harry Thornton says, Soccer Mummy being both an adult gross-out comedy and a kid's film didn't seem that weird to me because, and I say this as someone who grew up watching them, there was this weird streak in the early aughts of just having very mature parental bonus jokes in family films. You guys already talked about Trek on another podcast, but another great example is the 2002 Scooby-Doo movie. One James Gunn wrote, it was going to be either PG-13 or R, but Warner Brothers got cold feet and re-edited it to be more family-friendly. Despite that, it's still filled to the brim with sex and drug references, and they even have a digitally... They even had to digitally remove cleavage from some of the female characters. Yes. Yeah. I think James Gunn wanted to go much dirtier in his version of Scooby-Doo and they were going to be like postmodern and meta and like, this is for the American pie generation. But as it got closer to release, they're like, mm, we don't want to be yeah. that dirty. And now there's going to be a new Velma show. It's like tits and blood and shit in it, man. This like, is why uh, elder millennials uh, are, are more loose and free. All the, the true millennials, <laughs> they had the cleavage erased. Yeah. They yeah. didn't get the sea press. <laughs> you know, also soccer mummy, this uh, in his reference to that, it also reminded me of, and I know this not because I watched it, but because I cleaned the theaters of it at AMC theaters, kangaroo Jack, because that was oh. a raunchy sex adventure comedy full of like dirty jokes. But they then have like one fantasy sequence where the kangaroo who is not anthropomorphic for the whole movie he has a dream sequence. Jerry O'Connell's character gets knocked out, has a dream sequence right. where he raps <laughs> and dances. And once they got that footage, they're like, 
we're marketing this to kids but it's like no this is a fucking boner pg-13 comedy like yeah it's... i'd rather see cherokee jack <laughs> i'm cherokee jack but uh yes that uh the dirty family friendly now it just seems very sectioned off of like you get your r-rated batmans or like yeah there's the r-rated harley quinn cartoon at the same time as they're making that bat wheel show that is just like pixar's cars for batman jesus yep yeah <laughs> they're doing it all please stop uh let's move on to what a cartoon comments little mermaids up first and mm. uh true mackie friend of the show says the fear of liking a girl's movie was real mm. i liked this movie in private and got picked on in my own home for wanting the vhs but unlike Gem, which I secretly wanted to watch, even though it was pretty clearly written for girls, this was the first instance I can remember of understanding that female protagonist does not equal things for girls explicitly. Not that it was an argument I was brave enough to make on the playground. Mm -hmm. Yes, Drew feels my pain. Yeah, see, I mean, oh, also I've, I, I know uh, Drew had mentioned this to me before too, that like he had a similar thing with wrestling, that like he was scared to want to watch wrestling because you were accused of being gay if you mm. wanted to watch that too. That's, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I guess I feel lucky. My mom did not um, uh, put that on my brother and I. I mean, this was not put me on me by my mom, by the oh, way. This sure, is sure. everybody around me, <laughs> sorry, except for my I'm parents. Sorry. I didn't notice it with the other people around me too. I mean, I did later. My dad didn't like that I watched Ronma one half, that it was full mm. of like girls and flowers and stuff. Hey, but, it's full uh, of girls. I know. Well, in, not in a not in a objectifying enough way for Well, when he walked by seeing the opening, if I could have showed him like, no, look, they're objectifying these women. There's boobs there. You know, look at all these bath scenes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, by the way, Drew Mackey just put out a really cool video folks should check out on the history of Blanca and why Blanca is the character in Street Fighter's name, even though he is green and That's should right. be like Verde. So, or, I did not know that. Uh, he really dug deep in some history stuff and I believe paid a translator, multiple translators to translate Japanese-only interviews. And he dug really deep in it. Watch watch his video on YouTube. Uh, go to his feed and you'll find it there too. And he, it's part of a series of uh, written blog posts he's done on some very deep dives into video game history. So those are really those good out. yeah, yeah. I'm, happy. I'm always happy to see new blog material yeah <laughs> no one's blogging anymore uh, uh also on little mermaid matt says christopher daniel barnes was also greg brady in the 90s brady bunch movies he's way more hilarious and entertaining in that role than is eric and yeah he, he uh, i didn't know that. that yes yeah he's he's the eldest brady boy in it yeah i i forget that too he's uh it's, <laughs> uh you know talk about that brady bunch movie that's another one of those like the uh the scooby-doo movie would have been like it's it has some dirtier jokes in that brady bunch movie but like, still pg-13 yes yeah he's got the the lesbian uh there's the lesbian the closeted lesbian girl who's into marcia uh there's also like the joke of the horny next door neighbor who keeps hitting on um uh, mr brady and sam the butcher talking about his meat yes yeah yeah it's uh there's some dirty stuff in worth, there man. worth revisiting uh and christopher daniel barnes though i'll well, always remember him as the best spider-man voice or mm -hmm. one of the best spider-man voice actors yes. he surely uh, really talked fast in those episodes <laughs> yes yeah uh, let's move on to talking futurama Roswell that ends well is up first and some bloke says I have to respectfully disagree with Henry's new timeline theory in the day the earth stood stupid from slightly earlier in the same production season probably because they knew this was coming it was established that Fry singularly lacks a delta brainwave which is later established as being the product of his temporal paradox descent this suggests a closed timeline in which Fry was always going to become his own grandfather which he already was this is also consistent with later time travel episodes that also feature closed loops and of course a one later episode we find out the entire universe resets meaning time itself is one big loop 
I think the writers favored this version of time travel because it's screwier to get your head around initially, but has certain mathematical logic to it, similar to cyclic structures. Cyclic structures? I sure. guess cyclic. Cyclic yeah, structures. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank Man. you, Sunbloke. Yeah, thank you, Sunbloke. You know what? I can't disagree with that. I, I still I like to think about it creating new timelines, but... You're right with the later, the Delta brainwave thing predates this episode and certainly implies they already knew the timeline stuff and Nibbler and his relationship to Fry. Uh, but also, uh, you know, it fits with later time travel episodes, including my favorite Comedy Central era episode, the late Mr. Philip J. Fry, which shows that time is just a repeating loop and that you can just basically go around the bend again and get like, okay, no, I'm ba we're back here. It's the same. I think they do a lot of laps in that episode. Yeah. It's really good. It's an Emmy, it's an Emmy winner. Uh, meaning that they can't, you know, that then they time traveling doesn't change it. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Some bloke. I, I, I agree with your <laughs> endorsement there. Uh, Andrew Bouvier also said about the episode, I can't be 100% sure, but I think Enos's order of a pie with a fried egg on it is a slight reference to how in northern New England, especially Vermont, it's actually tradition to serve warm apple pie with a slice of cheddar cheese on it. There's even some silly superfluous state laws about it. Uh, and then he has links to the, the oh, yeah. laws on it. I looked <laughs> up this uh, the state of Vermont apple, apple pie uh, law. Mm. Uh, the state pie shall be an apple pie so number one <laughs> yes uh, section two serving apple pie when serving apple pie in vermont a good faith effort shall be made to meet one or more of the following conditions a with a glass of cold milk b with a slice of cheddar cheese weighing a minimum of one half ounce or c with a large scoop of vanilla ice cream wow. you must you must make a good faith effort <laughs> to provide one of those items with the pie well this I... was approved <laughs> on may 10th 1999 Man, you know what? Then I, uh, Bernie Sanders has some blame on that. I, you know, <laughs> where that, was he? <laughs> uh, just a fat cat up in the Senate, I guess. In uh, one of his many houses. <laughs> you know, if I if if that's the law, then I guess I'll just have to go with the ice cream scoop thing. Even though I prefer a un unadorned apple pie slice. Like the when I've had Alamo, look, I'm not saying it's bad, but. There's something to the speed at which you must eat it because the hot apple pie meets the cold scoop of ice cream. That's good for like three bites, but eventually mm. they just meet in the middle as a, like the same temperature and goopy. I like yeah. ice cream next to the pie. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. I, it's better that way. Well, I guess also it's up to the uh, apple pie to have the correct structural density to hold up that scoop. It's, it's all very complicated. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but I, I mean, I love apple pie, but I've never had it with a slice of cheese on top. Sounds wrong to me. I don't know. I was thinking about it. You know, pastries do have cheese in and on them. It's sure. not that crazy. So. Yeah, but apple with cheese, I, man i try to remember if i've had much of that i've ever, had i've yeah. had like if you're if you're making like a charcuterie board uh you can have like a cracker with like a, a slice of apple and a slice of cheese on it popping in your mouth i keep that, that separate on the it's either the cheese on it or the apple on it mix them uh, up put a little yeah. hot mustard on there buddy well now i want to try a fried egg on it <laughs> uh, you know i don't want to try that <laughs> moving on to anthology of interest too because we forgot or i forgot to include comments on this one last time so i apologize for that uh, Shy Ranger says, been waiting for this episode so I can tell a fun story. When I played the game Super Scribblenauts for the DS, for those who don't know, it's a game where you type nouns to make any object appear. One of the game's puzzles involved being the wizard and helping Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Lion. 
For the lion, you were asked to give him something to make him have courage. And I jokingly remembered, who needs courage when you have a gun? And I gave him a gun, and it worked. Wow. Oh, that's so cool, man. Those games were so neat, and I think we just for- uh, we forgot about them. Yeah. They're... Well, they made too many of them, too. They, yes. I mean, Warner dumped them out really fast. But yeah, they were always a fun... They were at least fun for a few hours. And I think my favorite as a Dorco was that they did a DC one that included, like, you could put in pretty much any up to that point existing obscure dc character or item and they would appear and it would solve dc related problems too yeah they did everything with that license but that's so funny that a gun like yep gun gave him courage like they i i mean how do they make it all work it's like amazing that that uh, all that stuff works in it i wouldn't be surprised if some nerd made that like into the game like made that reference like let's make sure this works i i would not be shocked yeah uh also on anthology of interest Kaiser Beam says, and by the way, Kaiser Beams also did uh, another great YouTube video I want to point people to. I just watched Kaiser Beam's uh, Kyoto video for Arcadia of My Youth, the uh, Captain Harlock movie. Mm. Really good uh, video and and tribute to a great, great film. Yes, yeah. I love Kaiser Beam's videos on YouTube. Uh, most of the things I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's like half and half of stuff yeah. I've seen, stuff I haven't. Yeah, uh, but, uh, but Kaiser Beam says... When I was a teenage nerd, when given the choice between Weezer and Rush, I went Rush all the way. Not just because I was also a huge music nerd who dug the shit out of Neil Peart's complex drum solos, Alec Leifson's catchy riffs, and Getty Lee's sick ba- slick bass licks. I also played bass at the time, but also because at the time Weezer was in their Beverly Hills era and having that stupid song play every yeah. hour on the radio soured me on them for a while. And while I can appreciate Weezer now, the best song on Pinkerton doesn't hold a candle to the entirety of Signal's my favorite Rush album. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Boy, bringing up Beverly Hills, we talked a lot with uh, Matt Apodaca on our (laughs) Simpsons podcast. Yeah, it became a Weezer podcast for about 15 minutes. Yeah. And then he had to go, so we wasted a lot of his time. (laughs) But uh, Beverly Hills, I can't believe that Rancid song became a hit. Yeah, big hit. And it feels like like you wrote a bad pop song on purpose to make it successful. Yeah, and then it worked. uh, Yeah, bad influence. Uh, The the success of that song was a bad influence on Weezer. Uh, But I also can see that you know, neither of us are musicians. If you love uh, the complexity of a Rush song, and like, I mean, uh, Weezer songs are not as complexly written. I would, I would uh, bet compared. No, they're just all short pop songs. Yeah, with power chords and all that stuff. And and then especially after Matt Sharp left the band, it's not half yeah. as complex as that. We all know how it goes. <sighs> but yes, 1997 <laughs> was a bad time. Uh, but for yeah, Weezer. check out Kaiser Beam's great videos on YouTube as always, guys. Yes, please do. And then uh, wrapping things up, talking of the hill. Up first is the final Shinsault, and Joe Hodgson is back, and he says, My DMV, or RMV in the state I live, has basically been the opposite of what you guys have experienced. Growing up in New Hampshire, getting my first license sucked and took forever. Worst of all, my dad thought we could just skate through without having my birth certificate, so we had to do it twice. Oof. Yes, whereas when I moved to Boston later in life and had to get a Massachusetts ID, the process was pretty quick because they were prepared for a lot of people. It was like the deli counter at a supermarket. You just take a number and have a seat. I just had to get my license renewed in person this year in my new suburban town, and it was okay, better than four years ago or whatever it was when I last did it. I was probably in and out within half an hour, and now I don't have to do it again for nearly a decade, so my next one can be done online. Oh, man, do it online. That's nice. Yes, you can. uh, in California, you can renew online. 
game. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, you don't have to go in anymore. Oh, see, uh, the last time I was in there to get was to get the real ID version yes, of it. you had so. to go in there yes. to prove you're not a terrorist. Uh, so hopefully next time I can uh, still prove I'm not a terrorist while getting <laughs> it renewed online. <laughs> I, I just, I hate, uh, for all the things that prove your identity, I hate that you also have to have your birth certificate sometimes. Because yeah. We lost my original one, and I have one that uh, I got like uh, officially official copy of it notarized in the year two thousand. So it's already a twenty two year old photocopy Man. that I have to hold on to. And then some people like like raise an eyebrow, like I don't have a forty year I, I have a twenty two year old piece of paper. I don't have a forty year old piece of paper. Okay, uh, they think you're trying to do the pull yeah. old Rusty Shackleford. Exactly. It's just like here's my passport. Here's my Nexus card. Here's my ID. It's just like oh, you need a birth certificate. Uh, it's like well, you think all three of these things were faked? Like if yeah. that's so then I think they should still just let you through because you successfully faked those three major things. I yeah. blame Joe Brandon and his Patriot Act. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, uh, it's making all our lives so much more painful every day, uh, every boy. day. Yeah, it's like I, I'm stealing this from a tweet I saw, but it was like... Uh, we're all afraid of being shot all the time, not of shoe bombs. Like, let us keep our fucking shoes on in the mm-hmm. airport now. You know, I, I don't care about a shoe bomb. Yes. I, I'm going to be, uh, everybody in America is terrified about the sound of a gunshot. They're not afraid of shoe bombs. All right. And finally, from uh, our last comment is from Leanne's Saga episode of King of the Hill. Because we did two this month, uh, catching up. Icy Wiener says, One joke that I love from the scene where Peggy talks about the fork to the back was like a knife through the heart was that Luann says her mom isn't like that anymore. She doesn't drink and doesn't even eat with a fork. I believe Luann's line is a joke as, of course, her mom doesn't drink or eat with a fork. She's in prison. Like, yeah. Yes, yes. (laughs) That was a joke I missed because the character says it's so matter of fact. But yeah, when she says, when she says, mom has changed, she doesn't eat with a fork anymore and she stopped drinking. Yes, because she's in prison. (laughs) She's in prison. Yeah. uh, It'd be very hard to get her hands on a fork or alcohol in prison. I'm glad Icy Wiener caught a hidden joke. Yes. The the show is full of them. It's it's too well written. It's too well written, too full of good jokes, and also written in a way that people underestimated at all times. And even us who are trying to read it at maximum level, even we can miss yes. some ultra subtle jokes sometimes that's why you patrons uh, save the day yes thank you so much uh, yes and thanks as always really yes yeah. thank you for listening everybody again uh, it's gonna be a fun august wrapping up the disney renaissance summer covering things like uh, on top of that smiling friends uh new talking futurama new talking of the hill some big fun guests coming up on talking Simpsons. it's gonna be great yeah oh man yeah this last month we had some great big guests we finally had mike mitchell uh, that was that was yes. uh, some ups and downs and trying to get it but he was it's because he's a very busy man he was he was like in between filming twisted metal when he recorded with that's us. true that's yeah, true so, so we got it we got him on the rise i hope yeah. he doesn't forget about us <laughs> uh and yeah we don't know if we're going to pax yet uh we're waiting on the approval as soon as we know you will know too. check our twitter account at talk simpsons pod or you can follow me and henry i'm at bob servo and you're at h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g that's right i know yeah. it i can do it now <laughs> and uh, thanks for listening we'll see you again next time for another episode take care infotainment.